Hey everybody, welcome back to Kenzie's Bible Study Podcast. Today we are back in Exodus chapter 6. And last time I left you with this question to think about, to wrestle with, talk to your people about. Are you going to God first in your difficult situations? And if not, what can you change to have accountability around this? One thing for me personally that I thought of is just kind of letting my normal people that I go to first know and have them ask me if I've prayed about it yet. And if I haven't, tell them to not listen to me until I say I have. (laughs) So kind of bold, but have some good accountability. Have your friends say, oh, nope, I will listen to you about that thing as as soon as you've prayed to God about it. So it's a fun idea. So Exodus chapter 6, we left off on kind of a cliffhanger. The people came and blamed Moses for their hardships. So Moses falls on his face before the Lord. God, what's going on? Why am I here? I feel like it's getting worse. So chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will let them go, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. And God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty, but my name Lord was not known to them. And that name is either Lord, Jehovah, Yahweh, the real name of God. Verse four, I have also established my covenant with them and to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. They were foreigners to verse five. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rescue you from their bondage. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. Then you shall know that I am your God who brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. There are a lot of promises here, and it's such a beautiful section. So I'll actually save that section for later because it's something I want us to learn from. So keep going in verse 9. So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they didn't heed Moses. They didn't listen because anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. Anguish of spirit, it just means impatience of spirit. They were too impatient to listen and in bondage to stubbornness. That is so discouraging sometimes. You share what you're supposed to, and especially when you struggle sharing, as it is, and they just won't listen. I know, it's so frustrating. Verse 10, And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the children of Israel go out of his land. 
And Moses spoke before the Lord, saying, The children of Israel have not heeded me. How then shall Pharaoh heed me if I am of uncircumcised lips? Remember, he's speaking about his speech impediment again. He's like, I'm not good at this. Clearly, it's not working. So he's arguing with the Lord again. And then the Lord, in verse 13, spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a command for the children of Israel and for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. So Moses is arguing, still saying, Pharaoh isn't going to listen to me. I'm not the right guy, God. But God tells him again, it's still you, Moses. You will lead my people out to freedom. And then it goes on and on for several verses here of their genealogy, as if to say, hey, look, look where these guys came from. Moses and Aaron, they originally come from Levi, who was um, in the same family as Joseph. Um, And so I'm not going to read all of verses 14 through 25, but you can go ahead and read their names. Um, I sometimes like to go through the names and underline them and learn what the names mean and things like that, um, which is really fun. And I haven't done that this time. So I'm going to pick up in verse 26. These are the same Aaron and Moses to whom the Lord said, bring out the children of Israel from the land of Egypt, according to their armies. These are the ones who spoke to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring out the children of Israel from Egypt. These are the same Moses and Aaron. It says like the same thing over and over again. Like these are the same people. In case you weren't sure, they're the same guys. (laughs) Verse 28. And it came to pass on the day the Lord spoke to Moses in the land of Egypt, that the Lord spoke to Moses saying, I am the Lord speak to the Pharaoh king of Egypt, all that I say to you. But Moses said before the Lord again, Moses, come on, behold, I am of uncircumcised lips. How shall Pharaoh heed me? Why would Pharaoh listen to me? So he ends this section by arguing with the Lord again. This is the seventh time he protests God. He brings up his speech again and yet another cliffhanger we'll leave on so a couple things I liked from this chapter um I did really love the the promises of God in the first part of it there's seven promises here of God from the I will statements of God to Moses and I think these are some things that God still does for us and I not I think I know um verse six I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. You and I may not be under the burdens of the Egyptians, but this is a picture of the salvation that we experience because of Jesus today. Romans 6.23 says that for the wages of sin is death. You could even say the burden of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, eternal freedom from that death and sin in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8, 2 says, through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law or the bondage of sin and death. Let me drop some truth in here that you probably need to hear again because repetition is so important. Some really good news. You are free from the burden of sin if you are in Christ Jesus. If God, if Jesus is your Lord and Savior, you are free from the burden of sin. There is power in the blood of Jesus. He shed his blood for you and for me, for our freedom from sin and death and the burden of guilt and the burden of sin that is on us is lifted up because of the forgiveness of sins and is washed by the blood of Jesus. Those are some good news truths today. Don't forget it and don't take it for granted because sometimes we easily do. 
Also in verse 6, the next I will statement says, I will rescue you from their bondage. This is liberation. I will rescue you. So not only are we free from the penalty of sin, but we are given power over sin. John 8, 31 and 32 talks about abiding in truth, abiding in God's word, the essence of who he is. And it says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It goes on to say in verse 34, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Wow. What a promise. What a truth. If you have been set free by the son, by Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, you are free indeed. You are free forever. You are free emphatically. Wow. The third I will statement is also in verse six. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm with great judgments. Man, this is redemption. Stretched out arms on the cross of Calvary, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Ah, so good. Us Gentiles get to have this promised faith too. And one of my favorite verses to think on is um, in Isaiah 43. If you've watched The Chosen, it might sound familiar, um, but it's so beautiful. It says, but now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God. Wow, that's so beautiful. What a great segue too into the next promise in verse seven, where God says, I will take you as my people. And this speaks of adoption. I um, It's hard to show here because it's a podcast, but if you look up what the sign in American Sign Language for adoption, it really looks like to take up um, because adoption means to take up. And Jesus does that for us too. Romans 8, 14 and 15 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopts you as his own children. And so now we call him Abba, Father. Ephesians 1, 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Man, it gives God great pleasure to adopt you and adopt me, especially in our biggest messes of life. 
We are born enslaved to sin and death, but Jesus buys us out of slavery. And now we are adopted by God and given the spirit so that we are co-heirs with Christ. So when we come to faith in Christ, our debts are canceled. We are given a new name and we are given all the rights that heirs of God possess. God adopts his people who are completely unworthy, me included, because he adopts on the basis of his grace. The fifth promise we see here, the fifth I will, is I will be your God in verse 7. He promises to be the true God that you will know personally and intimately. And, you know, this is honestly so different from many other religions because you worship a God that you don't know personally and that God that God doesn't know you or see you. Um, but the true God, because those are false gods anyways, but the true God, Jehovah Yahweh, he knows you and you can know him too. That's amazing. That is such an amazing promise. The classic Psalm 139 comes to my mind of you created me in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's wombs. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days were ordained for me and written in your book before one of them came to be. We can know him intimately. We can taste and see that the Lord is good. We can abide in him. We can search his word. We can know his heart for us and for the world. And what a promise. I'm overwhelmed by that promise. The sixth I will is in verse eight. And I will bring you into the land which I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He gives us direction. Romans 8 says we can be led by the Spirit. Proverbs 16 says in their hearts humans plan their course. We can make plans, but the Lord establishes their steps. The direction truly comes from God, even though we can make a lot of plans. Psalm 119.105 is one of my favorites. It was a memory verse of mine from when I was like a kid in Awanas. For your word is a lamp unto my feet. Uh, or in this version, oh, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. So seek the Lord. Let him have a say. And he promises he will give you direction. Um, and then, of course, there's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. He will give you direction. And the seventh promise, and notice that there's seven here. I always love numbers in scripture. Seven is the number of completion, the number of perfection. Um, and so verse eight is the seventh I will statement. It says, and I will give it to you as a heritage. I am the Lord. He gives us provision. He gives us what we need. Jesus re is really direct to his disciples, about not worrying about stuff that they'll be taken care of um, in Luke chapter 12, verse 22. And it says, then Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, will eat or about your body or what you'll wear for life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or weep, reap, excuse me. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable are you than the birds? You, uh, excuse me, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. And do not set your heart on what, oh, excuse me, that's the same verse. (laughs) Verse 30, for the pagan world runs after all such things and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and these things will be given to you as well. And you might be thinking, well, I'm already in a bad spot. It doesn't look like God's taking care of me. I haven't been provided for yet. I just don't see how this is going to turn out. Let me remind us of Romans eight twenty eight, And we know, we know, we don't think, we don't hope. We know that in all things, God works for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So keep seeking God. Keep trusting that he will work it together. And if it doesn't look like it's finished yet, it's not. If it's not beautiful yet, it's not the end. And and what I want you to see here is notice it's not uh, I will if you. There's no if you statements. Not uh, I will do this if you will do this. Remember the gospel is God's furious love towards us. It's all about what he promised, all about what he has done, and pretty much nothing about what we can do. It really is a picture of look at all of what we've tried to do and still can't earn it, but look at God's furious love and grace for us. Wow, such beautiful promises. And I could end it here and be so content to sit on the promises of God today. But I did have one more part of the chapter that did strike me kind of deeply. And the second thing to learn from this chapter um, is to pray passionately. Go back to verse 9. It says, So Moses spoke thus to the children of Israel, but they did not heed Moses. They didn't listen because of anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. And I know it's so discouraging sometimes to get the bravery to love people and share the gospel and the truth of Jesus and it's met with meh cool for you bro you know what I mean and like we talked a little bit about you know the pharaohs of the world before and I'm sitting here like what do I do now like if they don't listen hey listen don't take it personally don't be offended this is gotta be something going on in them spiritually And so what we can do is instead of like getting defensive and, uh, you know, paying, uh, taking it personally, go on the offensive for them. Just start praying passionately for them and trust that God will soften their hearts and open their ears. Remember, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual forces that we do not see. So if we try to wrestle with that person, a family member, a friend, a coworker, flesh and blood wrestling, it does not work. I am fighting the wrong battle. Take the fight to prayer. Wrestle in prayer for that person and do it with passion. Moses, you see, he just keeps going back to the Lord. God, they aren't listening. And I know I'm guilty of not doing this well. I get discouraged 
sometimes about my people or discouraged about a situation. And so I just disconnect. I'm like, well, I'll just, God will probably work it out eventually. Um, but I disconnect personally from it. But listen, that's not the time to disconnect. That's the time to lean in and wrestle with God in prayer for your people. So often I miss passion. I miss the engagement and the intimacy of God because I'm just tapped out. Go to war with passion on behalf of your people. Because what's cool about it is that when we go to God with prayer in passion, we engage in intimacy with God as we do it. It not only is for our people, but it builds us up too, which I think is oftentimes what we really need when we're discouraged about it, when we're exhausted about it. It causes my faith to be stirred up, my spirit to be revived, and for me to suddenly have a spirit of expectancy rather than a heart of apathy and no hope and of exhaustion. So when someone isn't listening, maybe they have anguish of spirit or cruel and, and cruel bondage. The key isn't so much talking to them, trying to convince them, but rather praying for them with passion. So what I'll leave you with this, this time is not a question, not something to wrestle with others, but choose someone or something to pray about and passionately pray about it. You know what I mean? Like, what's that thing that's really frustrating or that person that just won't hear you? And it could be about faith, but it could also be about a decision they're making or whatever it is. You you don't know. Um, But pray passionately about it. Wrestle with God in the intimacy of passionate prayer. So that's everything today, guys. I'm so excited that we are going on this journey together. Um, as always, you can always connect with me at Kenzie's underscore Bible on Instagram. Um, and we will see you next time as we continue in the book of Exodus. Have just the most beautiful day.